This podcast will be the third in a series on chronic absenteeism. Although some information will overlap from the last two podcasts, there will definitely be new information. Chronic absenteeism has affected educational outcomes for minor students since the first days of compulsory education. Even as far back as the late 19th century, chronic absenteeism has been a concern for society. Although in the early days, young people were more likely to be absent from school to help their parents on the farm or work outside of the home during hard times, chronic absenteeism leads to deeper issues and problems especially these days. It has been reported that over 7 million students are affected by miseducation each year. Students who miss out on school due to long-term illness, collective illnesses, family issues, mental health issues, or other issues such as being bullied are at a major disadvantage compared to their peers who regularly attend school. Aside from affecting educational outcomes, such loss of academic time equals missed opportunities with peers. Those students who are absent are often unsupervised. Those students who are unsupervised are at a greater risk of getting involved with illegal or dangerous activities. Then there are those students who are purposely and intentionally absent, inclusive of those who cut school or miss parts of a school day. Those students are in greater danger of getting into trouble with the law for major or minor criminal activity get into substance abuse, engage in sexual promiscuity, or are at risk for sexual predators when they are out on the street, in the malls, and in places where they normally wouldn't be during the school day. They may be influenced by adults, older peers, or peers who do not often look out for the greatest good of the, of the student. Some of the issues may be due to lifestyles of the parents. Some parents have to work long hours, and there are those parents who are simply not aware that their son or daughter is not in school. And the student themselves can contribute to this as well. Often chronic absentees are cunning in how they plan to miss school. They may be good at feigning illness, or find their way to other locations outside of school after they've been dropped off. More and more schools are combating this by calling homes earlier in the day after students have been identified as missing from school. In some schools, robocalls are used, even celebrity calls, such as having Nicki Minaj, Tyra Banks, or Lady Gaga calling homes to remind students to wake up and that they belong in school. Let's face it, every day that students miss out on school, they lose ground. 
Students who are chronically absent are at the risk of falling behind, having lower test scores, and eventually failing school. Students who miss out on school in the early years are at risk for academic failure as well. Studies show that students who miss school often in preschool or kindergarten are identified as not reading on grade level, usually by grade three. Literacy and language development is crucial for all students, and we must pay attention to those students who are slower in language development, have issues with cognition, or other issues that may affect the ability to retrieve language, such as having to learn a second language or those students who just have general inability to learn language because of lagging social-emotional development or, again, other problems that lead to not picking up language quickly. Statistics show that students who have a pattern of long-term absence by 7th or 8th grade are more likely to drop out of high school. We know that absenteeism greatly affects students, and the government has been of late finding ways to make schools and districts more accountable. In 2015, the Every Child Succeeds Act, ESSA or ESA, began to make schools accountable as part of the accountability reporting system, school report cards, and state reports. They must report chronic absenteeism down to the name of the students and the statistics and what they're doing about it. States and local school districts are responsible for providing what we know as FAPE, a free appropriate public education for all students. Now, schools and districts must come up with a plan of action to address chronic absenteeism. And we know it is not only the legal responsibility of local districts and schools, but the moral responsibility as well. Equity issues are at play. Research indicates that students of color, students with disabilities, and students in high poverty areas, students in the lowest third academically, have the highest rate of chronic absenteeism. Amongst all of the groups, the highest rate of absenteeism is amongst African American students, Native American students, and next Latino students, mixed race students, and Pacific Islanders have high chronic absentee rates compared to their white counterparts. Students with disabilities have been reported to have the highest absentee rate compared to their white counterparts. The absentee rate across the country has been between 14 to 18% or 20 days or over for either excused or unexcused absences for students with disabilities. Some of the factors include chronic health concerns, 
the need for more academic programs to fit the needs of the uh, students with disabilities, more programs to fit social emotional needs of the students, and ways to uh, intervene earlier, such as reconvening an IEP meeting when issues uh, of attendance become a concern. Another concern is that students with disabilities need to be educated under FAPE, and if they are chronically ill, they may require home or hospital instruction. So it is up to state and local districts to make sure that those students receive services in a timely fashion. It is up to the parents to make sure that they advocate for their children to receive continuing education, whether it's home or hospital instruction, and to make sure that their students get the services per the IEP. Factors that contribute to chronic absenteeism have been examined across districts. Some of the causes include, as we mentioned before, health concerns, mental health concerns, such as um, early child, uh, adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, um, problems with homelessness or transience, um, stress from divorce, students having to contribute to the household income, breaks in routines or chaotic households, lack of value on schooling, living in poverty or squalid conditions and not having enough food to eat, or having to take care of siblings. There are those students who do not go to school because of academic challenges. They'd rather stay home than face failing or having to uh, deal with frustration from academic challenges. Although schools have always worked hard to get children in school, when the federal government and states are accountable for results, schools must come up with programs that pay heed to the charge that students must attend public school or the school of choice. Parents may not choose to keep their child home, but they may choose to homeschool their child or have a combination of homeschooling with other parents who are also homeschooling their children in a cooperative. But it is up to the parents to report homeschooling to the district and to keep in constant communication, and it is up to the districts and schools to monitor that students either are in school or in a homeschool setting. Although states have different definitions of what constitutes chronic absenteeism, most states can agree that more than 10% of missed days in school or, 20 day, or 18 to 20 days total for whatever reason, including illness, constitutes chronic absenteeism. Chronic absenteeism affects students uh, with disabilities, we know this, in, in urban areas and in rural areas. In New York City alone, it's been reported that 13% of students with disabilities have missed 20 days of school or more. Now, in the last few podcasts, I spoke about a connection between the dropout rate and uh, 
chronic absenteeism. And so I like to talk about drilling down further and talking about truancy as opposed to chronic absenteeism. So the definition of truancy is different in many states, but most can agree that truancy equals unexcused absences. And the problems of truancy, although they're different from excused absences, contributes to the overall number of chronic absenteeism. Most people think of truancy as cutting or skipping school. However, truancy can occur when students simply stay home from school and do not have an excuse note. So a student can be ill, but if they do not have an excuse note or a doctor's note, depending on the district, it can be considered truancy. So again, it's when it's one thing when students are staying home and a parent knows of it. It's another thing when a student stays home or students stay home and, and they are unsupervised. So um, I've found some research talking about the direct link between juvenile delinquency and truancy. And there are many studies that show the link and there are many studies going way back. One study that I've looked at is by researchers McCluskey C, Bynum T, and Patch and J in 2004. They looked at an effort to reduce truancy in the Midwest during the 1990s called the Weed and Seed Program. And in this program, an effort to reduce truancy and chronic absenteeism, students were identified by certain indicators. The indicators were obviously students with 20% absences or more who were identified for this program. And in this program, there were interventions at multiple levels. So the community got involved and the schools along with the community. Together, they had community meetings to discuss what to do about issues of chronic truancy. And some of the solutions that they came up with were regular community meetings to look at truancy numbers and numbers of chronic absenteeisms, and they looked at what the town could do as well as the school. Some of the ideas that they came up with were curfews and where students had to be home by a certain time at night. So this addressed issues concerning older children who may be out on the street. And the school came up with regular visits to the homes by an attendance teacher and calls home. So when they identify these students for chronic truancy, the students were overseen and they were either visited by the attendance teacher or they were called on a regular basis. They're found to be a decrease in truancy because those students whose attendance improved were then not called as often or visited and they received congratulatory letters. Those whose attendance did not improve were still visited by the attendance teacher and called on a regular basis. So the, the numbers of absentees dropped off as the intervention was shown to succeed. So I think that in 
those days that was an, in, enough these days I, that would be considered in those days that would be considered intensive intervention in these days we we w- would like to target all students not just those students who are at risk for truancy the the, the target of the whole school is known as tier one so Targeting the whole school means that we prevent attendance, uh, we, we prevent truancy, and we prevent chronic absenteeism by putting in proactive and preventative measures. So proactive and preventative measures I've talked about in a few other podcasts are creating a positive and inclusive learning environment, reducing absenteeism by celebrating success of those students who regularly attend school and you can use pb we can use pbis to do so positive behavioral intervention and support so students who regularly attend school can receive incentives of some kind of certificate and assembly um, for those students who uh always attend school, who are always on time, and rewards. There also needs to be a continuous effort by schools and districts to look at numbers and meet together to see what can be improved in terms of attendance improvement. It is very, very important to also look at the subgroups and the equity issues behind non-attendance to school. So if those students in certain subgroups, such as students of color, students with disability, continue to have poor patterns of attendance, we have to look at the academics in the school and whether the students are being served, whether instruction is differentiated enough, and whether the teachers and counselors and leaders have enough support to keep the attendance up. Sometimes there is a need for more programs and embedded health clinics in the school, embedded mental health clinics in the school, support by the community and support by nonprofit organizations. So uh, that saying, it takes a village, also um, applies to attendance recovery. So I'm very happy that I was able to get this information out to you. And some of the references that I used are, uh, will be listed in the podcast uh, description. And I'm very happy and passionate to keep reporting and talking about this issue, especially for those students in our subgroups, those students of color, those students with disability, and those students who have academic challenges. Thank you very much. Liz Klein.